Welcome to Kensington, everyone. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. We're just going to start today uh, by standing and singing together. It's about these, these songs and these truths, with these words that remind us about who God is and how we fit into his story. So let's sing this out. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. Sing it. My failures I tried to hide It was my dream Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into
we just surrender to you today. We just surrender our hearts, our minds, our souls, our strength, everything that we have, Lord. Everything that's going on in our lives right now, all the circumstances that we brought into this room, God, we just lay that at your feet and we just surrender that because we just want to see you for who you truly are, not through our preconceptions of, of who we think you might be, but God, we just want to see you, Jesus, clearly. And so we just surrender to you and ask that you would have your way in our hearts and that you would just speak your truth through Dave uh, today. Amen. We see you. Good morning, guys. Wow, I don't know about you, but I could have done that all morning. Um, they sounded amazing today. And uh, John, who just prayed, I don't know about the rest of you, but that last song, I Surrender All, um, it's really easy to sing the words. And even as I was standing there singing this morning, and I'm saying it out loud, and deep in my soul, I still felt that piece of, eh, I don't know if I'm going to give you that thing. Um, I kind of want to hang on to that one. I might know better about that. Um, but I just, I don't know, just sat in that moment again today. There's been some stuff going around here. I think Dave's going to share more today that makes you really question, is he really who he says he is? And I know for me today personally, I really have to go back and say, yes, I'm going to claim and declare that he is who he says he is, even in the midst of circumstances that don't make any sense. So I just thank that team for just taking us to that place today. What a great way to start the morning. Um, but I'm Kim. I'm part of the Orion Campus team. And we're really glad you guys are here. I think the heat wave might be over. I don't know for sure. No, Dave says no. Uh, but we are starting a new series today, and Dave's going to take us on a journey in a little bit of what it really looks like to truly claim what Christ has given us. Um, through that first song where I ran out of that grave, he has given us that authority and that power. And that's kind of where Dave's going today. Uh, Incredibles too. Kensington goes to the movies because, I mean, we can make that happen for sure. So that's where we're headed today. Um, but again, if you haven't been, there's a place in the lobby. It's called The Hub. And it is truly for everybody in this place. If you have a question, anything about Kensington, maybe you want to volunteer, head out to The Hub. Ask some questions. They can tell you how to get connected in. Or maybe today's your first day. And if it is, we are so glad you are with us. Special welcome to you. You, or possibly you've come a few times and you still haven't really made any connections or found out any more about this place, head on out to the hub. We have some great volunteers out there uh, sporting some fabulous orange t-shirts. They love their t-shirts. Um, and they would love to chat with you. So head on out there. They also have a great gift for you if you're a first-time attender. So go say hi, have a conversation. That's what they're here for. Um, now next weekend, I want to personally invite all of you to a party. Um, you're supposed to be excited about the party, by the way. All right, good job, well done. Um, so yes, party in the parking lot. We did one back in June. We're doing another one the fourth Sunday of the month. So next Sunday, after this service, head on out to the north parking lot. We will have food ready starting at 12.15. Yes, we will actually feed all of you. So fun. Um, last month, it was kind of like the loaves and the fishes. You guys just kept multiplying, and we weren't really sure if we were going to have enough food. And there was. There was enough food, so that was a really good thing. Um, but come and be with us. Um, Dave has said... What? Oh, no. Did I forget something? I'm going to oh, come I'm up. I'm in trouble. Yeah, they turned my mic on. <gasps> I, Cody and I are ushering a challenge. Oh, no. To anyone that wants to try and beat us in cornhole. 
Party in the parking lot, we take you on. We welcome everybody to come. Maybe, They're really good. Maybe there'll be a monetary prize, maybe not. But oh. We'll be there. Right. Okay. The challenge is this huge. I love it. The Wilsons are a little bit competitive, for those of you that didn't know that. I have no idea if Ann's in town, but if she's in town, there's no way that you guys are going to beat this crew. Um, anyway, but come and be with us. It's a great time just to hang out, meet some other people, and just kind of have fun in community. So I really encourage you. And we will, there won't be a normal service in here at 1230. We'll be doing that all outside, just a few songs, a little word from one of the pastors, and then just hanging out and enjoying each other's company. The following, I guess it's a couple weeks after, August 4th, one of the best events of all year, the all-campus baptism. How many, who's been there? Who's done this? Yes, it's like the funnest thing we do. It's funnest a word. I'm not sure if that's a word. It is now. All right. Um, so it is one of the best things we do. We bring all of our campuses together and we celebrate baptism together as a family. So it is August 4th, Stony Creek Metro Park. You just can't beat this day. We've got a video that's coming up that is going to give you a little bit more information. And then after that, Dave's going to come up and we're going to continue our morning together. We're so glad you guys are here. There can be a lot of questions when it comes to baptism. If I was baptized as an infant, do I need to be baptized again? What is the correct way to be baptized? Who can baptize me? Why is it so important? Plus a few more questions you may have. At Kensington, we believe baptism is one of the most powerful experiences a believer of Jesus will experience in their life. So let's spend some time together to get a better understanding of what this 2,000-year-old tradition is all about. Let's start with, what is baptism? Baptism is simply an outward expression of an inward commitment to follow Jesus. Baptism doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. It's a symbol of the commitment that you've already made to follow him. Think of it a little bit as a wedding ring. The ring doesn't make you married. It shows everyone around you that you've made a lifetime commitment to your spouse. So, if baptism doesn't make you a Christian, then why is it so important? Let's look at the words of Jesus. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says, Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Those were the words Jesus had for his disciples, and we believe those are the words that Jesus has for us. Jesus established this as an ordinance of the church so that we wouldn't keep our faith private, but to go public and share them with the community. If you're wondering, when should I be baptized? Let me ask you a question. Have you put your faith in the claim that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and that he rose again, defeated death, so that you can have hope for all eternity? If you have, then now is a great time for you to be baptized. And it doesn't matter what age you are. Whether you're 10 years old, 25, 50, or even 80, you may think that I'm not spiritual enough or I have a long way to go. But baptism is not a symbol that you have arrived. It's a symbol that you decided to begin a relationship with Jesus. You may be wondering how Kensington baptizes people. Do we fully immerse, which means to put under, or do we do the sprinkling method? For the most part, we immerse. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, baptism is buried in the likeness of Jesus and raised to walk in newness of life. This indicates going under the water and coming up. Now, if you're not able to be fully immersed for whatever reason, we don't want that to be an obstacle in your decision to be baptized. We will do the sprinkling method. What matters most is what it symbolizes, your decision to follow Jesus. So who can baptize you? 
It can be anyone who is a follower of Jesus. When you read the Bible, you will see men and women who were ordinary people, not ordained, without clergy credentials or formally trained, baptizing people. So at Kensington, you'll see teaching pastors and other staff members participating in our baptisms. But you also see regular, ordinary, non-ordained people participating as well. So if you have a family member, friend, or a small group leader who is an active follower of Christ, they would be a great choice to be the one to baptize you. Baptism is so beautiful and emotional because of what it signifies, life change. The moment a person comes up out of the water represents a brand new person. All the past and the mistakes, all of it is left behind. We are buried in the likeness of Jesus. The old person is gone. And when we come up, it's like the resurrection of Jesus and we walk in the new life. Hopefully this helped in answering some of the questions you may have. Now, if you're thinking, I'm just not ready yet, that's totally fine. Stay on the journey and keep investigating. But if you're ready, we would love for you to sign up today. We can't wait to share and celebrate this incredible experience with you. All right, as, uh, as Kim said, one of the best things, maybe the best thing we do as a church is that. We only really get all of our camps together one time. That's a lot of people on a beach at Stony Creek, August 4th. Right there, starts around 5.30, and you sign up. There's food, and it's just a ball. And I'm telling you, if you've never been to one of those, don't miss this one. I guarantee you perfect weather, because that's what I do. I guarantee things like that. Uh, and, a, and last year, it was actually perfect weather, and it's just a beautiful night. And let me say this. Number one, come. But number two is this. If you are a person that's never been baptized, or if you're like me, you were baptized as an infant by your parents, and you didn't make that choice, you didn't know about it, I don't even remember it. Uh, but after I became a follower of Christ in college, I realized how important baptism is as a public demonstration of what God has done inwardly. That's what going in made my old life is gone, done. I've been raised to a new life with the power of God. We're going to talk about that today. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, ritual that connects us to the church over generations. It's really cool. And so it'll be great music that night, a lot of fun, great food, and then just a powerful, powerful night as we see hundreds, maybe even close to 1,000 people get baptized from all the different campuses. And if that's you, sign up right there, kensingtonchurch.org slash baptism. Now you know everything that we wanted to teach you about baptism. You can sign up. And uh, I'm telling you, don't miss this opportunity. You don't want to wait till next year. Do it August 4th. And if you want, pull out your phone right now and sign up. All right? Okay, so here's where we're headed. Kim already told you. We're looking at the movie Incredibles 2. How many saw Incredibles 2? It's a great movie. I'm telling you, after today, if you didn't see it, you're going to want to see it. But there's an amazing truth in it that I'm going to uh, be talking about today. But before I do, I want you to stand up, give somebody a high five, ask them their favorite character in Incredibles 2, and move toward the center.
Welcome to Kensington, your hometown church for great community and quality refreshments. Help keep the auditorium clean by depositing litter in trash receptacles. No talking or texting during the service and be sure to use the Kensington app or visit the hub after the service to learn more about Kensington and receive a free gift. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the service. get the claps in? Anyway, glad you're here. So here's the thing. We're looking at The Credibles 2, which is, you know, came out last summer, and uh, uh, I was doing a little sermon prep this week uh, for this, so I had to watch the movie again. So I, I'll show you a picture. This is me on Tuesday night watching a movie with my grandkids. My grandkids were in town this week from Denver, so Olive's sitting there. I think the picture's going to come up. Olive and Porter and Holden, and we're watching this movie right there. So I'm getting all this sermon prep ready. That's how we preachers get ready for sermons, right? Watching the Incredibles. The funny thing about having grandkids is our house, you can see there, it's not really kid-proof because we're empty nesters now. So three minutes into the movie, Holden, who's like 15 months, walks up and turns the tile, and the whole movie goes away, and I can't get it back on. And they grab my turntable and zhoosh, right through Abbey Road. Anyway, it was great. It was awesome, but we ended up watching the whole thing. So here's what I want to do. I want to find out what you know about the Incredibles. So we're going to play a game where we're going to have a winner and a grand prize. So everybody in the room, stand up. Everybody stand up. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we got some questions about the movie and even one question about Pixar, who did the movie. And there's multiple choice. One, two, three, or four. So you're going to put up a finger if you think it's answer one, two, or three, four. All right? So here's the first question. First question is, who is the voice of Elastigirl? All right? Is it Joan, Holly, Emma, or Zoe? Put up your finger. One, two, three, or four. You ready? One, two, three, go. It is Holly, number two. So if you didn't have two fingers up, sit down, all right? All you losers, sit down. Okay, there you go. And, and by the way, that is the easiest question of all of them. If you didn't know that one, you probably haven't seen the movie. Okay, number two. What is the name of this half Japanese, half German fashion designer? Was it Edna, Gertrude, Francine, or Pauline? One, two, three, or four. You ready? Okay, the answer is number, number one. So if you didn't have one up, you got to sit down. Hey, and by the way, I just thought of this. Some of you were cheating. You went, oh, you're like, yeah. Come on, this is church, okay? You don't cheat in church. All right, number three is, uh, what was the name of the villain that appeared in the beginning of The Incredibles 2? Underminer, Gravedigger, Mole Man, Bulldozer. One, two, three, or four. All right, you ready? Answer is number one, Underminer. You got it. Okay, we got a lot of people still standing. This is better than the first service. There are a lot of people down. Okay, here's the next one. This one, this one might wipe you out. Who was the director of Incredibles 2? Andrew, Bob, Brad, or Brenda? One, two, three, or four. Come on, give me an answer. And don't be going like this, you know. It's got to be one, two, three, or four. Are you ready? The answer is number three. Brad Bird. Brad Bird. He was also the voice of Edna, if you didn't know that. Anyway, so, okay, last question. We got quite a few left. Last question. Steve Jobs purchased Pixar, who made that movie, in 1986 at what price? 500,000, 1 million, 5 million, 10 million. Ready? One, two, three, or four. You ready? I'm not going to give you a... The answer is three, 5 million. All right, who's left? We got a few left? 
Here's your grand prize. Kensington has decided to give you all $5 million. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give you $5 million. Sit down. You just won nothing, but you won. Uh, <laughs> that means at least you knew a little bit more about Incredibles than I did until we, uh, you know, uh, came up with those questions. But here's the thing. It really is a pretty good movie. Uh, I would say a great movie, and you know me, I'm the, I'm the guy that goes to movies. Uh, we're empty nesters now, and I think we went to two this week. I mean, it's a, it's, we saw Lion King, which was awesome, and Aladdin. Anyway, uh, so we saw this when it came out, and I'll just say this. It's got all kinds of themes and truths, but I, the other night when I was sitting with my grandkids, really was struck by one big truth that I want to teach on. But for those of you that might not have seen it, and those of you that did and want to remember it, I'm going to show you a two-minute clip. It's actually a trailer, which will give you sort of the whole theme of the movie, just so you get it in your head, and then we're going to preach on this. So watch this. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Jack-Jack is just precious. Anyway, I can talk about so many different things. But you know, the, the whole movie is sort of based on, and, and by the way, we're doing superheroes for all three weeks. Next week, Cody will be here talking about Captain Marvel. And then I'll be back talking about Mission Impossible in uh, week three of the series. But uh, in this one, The Incredibles, you know, they have superpowers, right? They have actually multiple superpowers beyond just Jack-Jack being able to turn into fire and laser beam stuff. I mean, they all have multiple powers, but they don't have those powers really until they put on the suit and become The Incredibles. And so it's a pretty interesting thing. But here's the thing. As I was watching this the other night, and again, I've seen it a couple times now, and I could have gone any, any one of 20 different directions. But I'm looking like for a, a, a truth or two that really affect or impact our faith life or our spiritual walk uh, in, in, in our spiritual life. And there's one that I just think is dominant in this movie. And I think in the church, we either don't know this truth, we've forgotten this truth, or we've never understood this truth. And it's basically this simple. I'll tell you right from the start, it's, the big idea is this. I just wrote down this. I call this an incredible truth. Hey, you get it, the pun? Incredible? Okay, yeah. Incredible's truth is this. We are all supers in Christ. In fact, I say it this way. In Christ, we are all supers. See, in the movie, they call the Incredibles supers. They have superpowers. There's the supers. And so there's this whole idea that supers have been removed from uh, society, and they got to bring them back and let them be a part of saving the world. But here's the thing that just hit me. is like, we have forgotten this, or some of us have never, ever even understood this. In Christ, in a relationship with the God of the universe made known through Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with him, you have superpower. Now, we don't call it superpower. We actually call it supernatural power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. Do you understand that? That is one of the most incredible truths you'll ever, ever understand in your life. And I think most of us, even in the church who have heard this, don't understand this because we don't live as if we have supernatural superpowers, but we actually do. It's like Elastigirl's just a mom, but she puts on the suit and she's Elastigirl and she can save the world. Mr. Incredible's just a guy, but he puts on the suit, he's Mr. Incredible. Do you understand this? When you are in Christ, you can do the same thing. Now, I'm not saying save the world. Only God can do that. But there are powers or power available to you that is actually unbelievable to understand. And I hope by the end of the day, we're like, oh my goodness, that's what's offered to me in Christ? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. The term in Christ means a lot here. Now, many of you may not know this, but we have seven core values of Kensington. Actually, what they really are are seven marks of like, if you look at what a follower of Christ should look like, 
There could be 20, but we just picked seven to say, we want to make sure that our church is about these seven. And the first one is what I'm teaching today. We call it identity, your identity in Christ. And in fact, the way we wrote that value is that value number one for us is in Christ identity. The, the phrase is in Christ, and we had a definition for each one of these. And some of you can write this down or take a picture of it, but it's basically this. Identity means this. We understand that we are loved by him. Capital H means Jesus. We are loved by Jesus. We find our identity in Jesus, and we are powerless without him. One of the core things we decided that we wanted to make sure Kensington would always be about is that people would understand their identity in Christ based on that, that they are loved by him. Here's the thing. Most people don't believe they're really loved by God. Here's how it goes. A lot of people think religious people are loved by God or people like me standing on a stage who preach for a living are loved by God because you know that I'm sort of perfect and you're not, so you think I'm loved by God. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But that's what we think, that people that are on a stage and are closer to God. I remember with Detroit Lions, anytime something would happen on an airplane, we're flying to a game and we'd have turbulence, they'd be like, Dave, pray. And I'm like, you can pray? No, but God listens to your prayers. I'm like, I've been here 33 years. He's never gotten us to a Super Bowl. He doesn't listen to my prayers, you know. <laughs> but there's this thing that they think I'm closer to God because I'm better than them or whatever. Here's the truth. When you understand your identity in Christ, you understand this. Everyone is loved by God. It doesn't make sense. It's not like human love because you might have done something last night that you think God couldn't love me after what I did this week or this year or what happened to me 10 years ago. Here's the identity in Christ thing. You're loved by him. And when you find your identity in Christ, not in the world, or being, you know, having 100,000 people follow you on Instagram, or uh, people buy your book, or people like you at school, or whatever, you find that my identity is not based on what people think of me, or if I'm popular, if I'm liked, if I'm skilled or not skilled, it's based on him. By the way, I don't know if you realize this, you just sang that, or listened to somebody sing that. That whole song, the second song, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That was a song about identity. And in my father's house, there's a place for me. See, some of you don't believe there's a place for you in the father's house. Because maybe there never was in your earthly father. Forget that. Know this. You are loved and you can find your identity in him. Many of us don't, but you can if you want. And it changes everything. And then the last statement in that thing, we are loved by him, we find our identity in him. This is key. This is what we're going to talk about today. We are powerless without him. That is a statement that says we have power, but it's natural human power strength. It's not enough. And here's what I know about you and in me. We already know this because we've all tried to win over some sin in our life or some temptation in our life or some grudge or we wanted to forgive somebody and we can't do it. You know why? You are powerless. The Bible says we're sinners and apart from him, we can do nothing. We don't have the power, but here's the amazing thing. This is the most beautiful truth you and I will ever understand and I hope we get it because I don't think the church has really ever gotten this. In Christ, we are all supers. What's that mean? We have our identity. We know we're loved. We get up and there's a, there's a confidence in our life because we're loved by him, whether we're loved here or not. Not saying that isn't important, but it isn't the most important. This is what's most important. I find my identity here vertical, and then I find power that I can't muster up. I can't beat this sin, but there's a power available to me. It's called supers. 
Again, I'm using the play on words with Incredibles, but the supernatural power is available to me. Now, here's what I know. Some of you know this because you gave your life to Christ years ago, and you understand I'm in Christ, and I have now the Holy Spirit of God, literally the presence of God lives in this temple, this soul, and I have God's power to resist things in my life. Here's what I also know. There's some of you here have never surrendered to Christ, and guess what, guess what today is about? You get to listen in to what's available to you if you do, and if you surrender all today to Christ, immediately you are given superpower. Supernatural, Holy Spirit power is yours the second you believe. That's good news. <laughs> That's what I'm getting so excited. It's like, oh my gosh, today's gonna be somebody's day to understand they can have supernatural power in Christ. You go from death to life, from darkness to light in one decision. And by the way, we just sang that too. Some of you recognize that last song because you sang it growing up in church. I surrender all. Remember that? Some of you never heard it. That's a song, that's a hymn that I sang as a little kid. And I was sitting here thinking, man, if we were really, really honest singing that song, we wouldn't be singing I Surrender All. would be like, I surrender 49%. <laughs> Kim even said it. It's like, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to this girl. And I'm going to hold on to this guy. I'm going to hold on to this house. I'm going to hold on. It's like, do you really surrender all? Because when you surrender all, here's what's on the other side of that. And the reason we're afraid to surrender all is because who are we surrendering all to? Can I trust him? And when you understand who your heavenly father is and how much he loves you and how you can find your identity in him and he gives you power to live your life, you surrender all. And then on the other side of that decision, you go, oh my goodness, I had no idea. This is what's available to me. It's actually astounding what's available to you. And so it's interesting. I want to take you real quick to just a, a, a bit of theology. Why? Because theology or doctrine or what we believe is very foundational to how we live, live our lives. And it's interesting, one of the books I love in the New Testament is a book, a man named Paul. Many of you have heard him as the Apostle Paul, a man who was a sort of an atheist who came to Christ in a radical way and ended up writing uh, almost two-thirds of the New Testament. So he wrote these letters to churches to help, as he planted them, to help them learn their theology and then how to live that out. So one of them is a book called Ephesians. It's a book written to a church in Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. And the first three chapters, six-chapter book, first three chapters are all theology. Here's what's true, here's what we believe. Chapter four, five, six is all application. So based on that, how do we live our life? Let me take you to the first chapter of Ephesians where he's laying a foundation for what is true. And in verse 13 of chapter one, he says, in him, here's what I'm gonna do. I did this Wednesday night at our midweek, not this verse, but I just walked through scripture. Just so many of us read something, we don't even know what it means. Let me just break this down for you. Here's what Paul's saying. In him, now who's him? He's already had the context as Jesus, okay? So he says, in Jesus or in Christ, so there's our phrase again, identity comes from in Christ, so he says, in Christ, you also, who's you? Now here, I'll be real clear to you. He's saying, you who have believed or surrendered all, who are followers of Christ, this is what's true of you. So if you're a person today that hasn't surrendered to Christ, here's what you need to know. This isn't true of you yet. You have natural human strength, that's all you got. Good luck with that. But here's what's true of anybody in Christ. So if you're not in Christ, I hope you look at this and go, why wouldn't I want that? You mean that's available? Yep, this is what's available. You won't believe this. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, what's that mean? When you understood the truth about Jesus. Here's what I know. Some of you, today's your day. Some of you, today's your day. I had a guy come up to me at the first service. He goes, it finally made sense. Gave my life to Jesus. Today, I heard the word of truth. I've never really understood it before. Thank you. It made truth. That's gonna happen. It happens all the time. 
Uh, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. Paul throws in the word gospel. Why? He wants us to understand what the gospel is. You are saved, salvation, through the gospel. The gospel is what? We've already said a little bit of it. You are loved by God, even though you're far from God because of sin. How can I be loved by God if, I don't, if I'm not righteous? Because God died for your unrighteousness to make you righteous. When you understand that, you understand I'm loved by God. That's the gospel of my salvation. When you believe that, everything changes. He says, here's what happens when you believe that. And again, this happens the second you believe uh, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. And by the way, in the New Testament, it's really interesting. The word believe is always an action word. In our culture, the word believe is a thinking word. They never equated belief with just, I, I ascend to something knowledge-wise. It's like, no, I live this. When I believe in him, I'm going to follow him. You get it? Big difference in our culture. So it says, when you uh, heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, look at this, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What's that mean? You study the word sealed and you realize the second a person gives their life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit seals them. It's almost like this. He's got us and we've got him. And even though we let go at times, he's got us. Never gonna leave you. Here's what it means. The very power of God, the very presence of God comes and lives where? Right here. It's the greatest truth you'll ever understand in your life. God, if you believe Surrender, that very second, it isn't like, okay, I'm going to see if they mean it and they're going to start living it. No, no, no. The second you believe, sealed by the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit. Look at this. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Inheritance is what? Being in his presence forever in heaven until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I could stop right now and say, do you understand what this means? You are Mr. and Mrs. Incredible. You're like, nah, I don't think so. Yes. That's what's available to you if you understand that you have super's power the second you surrender to Jesus. You have access to all of God in your life. What's that mean? Oh my goodness. That means your life and my life looks different than those that don't have super's power, that don't have supernatural power. They only have natural power. Now let me ask you something. Is that how your life looks? You who are in Christ, have you ever had a person walk up to you at work or in your neighborhood and said, I don't know what it is, but you got something I don't have. You're going through one of the hardest things I've ever seen a person go through and you seem to have a peace. Where's that come from? And if you understand that you're sealed in the Holy Spirit and the power of God literally lives in you, you need to say this in a very loving way, but you would say something like, well, that's not really my power to get that peace. That peace actually comes from a God who lives within me. I can't even get that peace. But he gives it, and it's hard to understand. In fact, the Bible actually says it's unexplainable. It's a peace that passes all understanding. That's what's available in Christ. And here's what I know. Most of the church doesn't know what I'm talking about. Because they believe it here, but they don't live it out. And so I know you, and I know me. You want that power. You know why? Because you already know you don't have the power to say no to things. I know you don't, and neither do I. But God can give us that power. How do I know that? Because I've talked to people for the last 40 years. Tell me this. If you have the power to resist sin, then let me ask you something. Why'd you look at porn this week? Some of you are going, how do you know? I'm guessing, but I guess I'm right because I talk to enough men. I don't talk to women, but I know women struggle with that as well. 
And I know this, you didn't want to. You did everything you could not to, but then you did. Why did you? Because you don't have power. Or you're in Christ and you don't realize you do have power. And you can access that power at any second to walk away from that computer, to turn off that phone, to get a brother or a sister beside you to say, I gotta be honest, I'm struggling with this. Let's access that power together. That's available to you. Some of you are longing for peace right now because your circumstances in your life do not give peace. And let me tell you something. People that don't know Jesus don't have peace in those circumstances. They fall apart. Their marriages fall apart. Their lives fall apart because their happiness and their peace comes from their circumstances. What about the person that has real peace, like a peace so deep you can't even understand it, but it's real in the middle of horrific trials? That's supernatural. That's incredible. And it only comes from God. I found out last night something horrible happened to one of our dear friends here. Dennis Hines, you know Dennis, he leads our greeter ushers team and Kathy, his wife, their seven-year-old grandson drowned yesterday. I mean, Dennis, who can't be here today because of that. And that little boy's been here since birth. Um, how, how do you explain? How, I, talk, I called Kathy this morning. Right before the first service, and, you know, they, you know, pond, it's just, and, 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 and quick phone call, funeral's going to be this week, and I'm going to do it, and, and she says at the end, I don't know how this is possible, but God's right here with us, and he's going to give us peace. She's teaching me about what she doesn't even know I'm going to be preaching on today. There's available supernatural power. It's the worst situation you can imagine. And I know a little bit what she's feeling. My brother died when he was six and I was seven, not of a, uh, a drowning, but of leukemia. And I watched my mom. It never, ever goes away till the day my mom died. She had that to carry. And, and yet I also watched my mom have a supernatural peace that sustained her. And I watched other families blow apart when tragedy happens. And here's the thing. Somehow, God's power is available to us on the mountaintop and in the darkest valley. And some of you are sitting here right now. <laughs> I can see your faces. I've been at your, your spouse's or kids' funerals. I've done them, officiated them. And you could come up here and say it was the darkest moment in my life, and yet there was a God who met me there with a power that is real. And I'm telling you, <laughs> of all things, the Incredibles movie reminded me of this. We have access to that power, the greatest supernatural resurrection power in the universe. And by the way, we sang that this morning too. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. You and I can't run out of a grave. We can't overcome our shame and our own power. That's resurrection power that when God calls, he came out of the grave and we can too. That's what baptism is. I couldn't, I couldn't get life. I couldn't get power. I have a new life. That's why we celebrate baptism. So it's actually incredible. Let me, let me take you to another, uh, another passage that I just found so interesting. It's, it's Jesus just before he ascends to the Father. So here's the backstory. He's lived. He said he's the Messiah. He said, I'll die and be raised in three days. He dies for our sins, so you and I are forgiven. 
He goes in the tomb. He raises on Easter Sunday, right? He's a son of the Father. He's on the planet 40 more days. He teaches. He walks with his disciples. He has a crowd. And the last words he says to his disciples are found in the first book of Acts. It's really the Acts of the apostles. It's the beginning of the church. So here are the disciples standing around Jesus. Look what he says. He says to his disciples, but you will receive, keyword, power, right? Think about this. Anybody here want power? Anybody lose power last night? We've got a whole bunch of people right now from our Clarkston campus in our service. You know why? Oh, there they are. <laughs> Welcome, Clarkston. I'm glad you're here. You know why they're here? They have no power. They can't have church today, so we said, come join us. So they're here. They want power. You want power. I want power. Jesus says, here's where it comes from. Now, he's talking about, not talking about electrical power. He's talking about supernatural Holy Spirit power. But he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, trust me, the guys are like, what's he talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. He's talked about this, but what's he talking about? And then he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right here, in Judea, outer cities, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then you know what says happened next? Look at this. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So think about this. He says this, and again, he goes, poof, and he ascends to the Father. Never been back since. But he is coming back. We know that, right? He said another movie line, by the way. He said, I'll be back. That's what he said. That's where they got that from Terminator. Anyway, <laughs> but he's come back. So think about it. If you're the disciples and he just says that and leaves, here's what I wrote down. Here's what I think they're thinking. They had no idea what to do next. I mean, we, 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 we sort of spiritualize this like, oh, yeah, they knew it. They're like, what just happened? You guys have the Holy Spirit? No. Do you feel anything? No. So I thought they have no idea to know that. They're uneducated. They're under-resourced. They have no strategic plan. They have no special power. They have no political influence. How can they follow him if he isn't there to lead? And Jesus actually said to him, it's better for you if I go away. Now, if you were there, like, no, 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 no. What do you mean? No, no, no. You are everything to us. No, it's going to be better because when I go away, physically I'm gone, but I can now send the spirit of me to be in all of you. And so here's what's really interesting. And again, this is a whole series, but just think of this one thought, and then I'll give you three applications. The first thought is this. In the Old Testament and up to this moment in all of history with Jesus and with God, it was always this. God is with us. Preposition with us. I'm doing finger quotes around the word with, right? Because Moses and David and everybody and even the disciples, they had God with them. But now after this moment, and then the next chapter, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit does come upon them and now is available, God is available to be what? Not with us anymore, what? In us. In us. I love what Kyle Eidelman says in, the, in this book, Fan, uh, Not a Fan, where he tells the difference between being a fair-weather fan of Jesus or a real committed follower of Jesus. He says this. He goes, we think when we get to heaven, we're going to go up to David and say, hey, man, what was it like slaying Goliath? He goes, that's not going to be be like. David's going to come up to us and go, tell me, what was it like to have God living in you? I only knew God was with me in that valley. You had the Holy Spirit of God in you. Tell me what that was like. And here's what I think most of us are going to do. I never really got that. Let me ask you. How do you want to live your life? Seriously. I mean, I watch the church and I watch us and I, the non, our non-church neighbors look at us and they think, there's nothing you got in your life that I don't have. Why would I come to your, believe in your God? They should see a life 
that is so different because of power and because of peace and because of uh, an access to a heavenly father who is loved and identity that they should be drawn to our lives. Why? Because we are living the Incredibles life. And again, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's not brokenness. I'm not saying it isn't hard. I'm not saying there aren't valleys we're going to walk through that are really, really, really difficult. But I am saying even in those difficult times, there is a God and there is a peace and there is a power that sustains us that nobody can understand unless they are in Christ. Make sense? Okay, so let me give you real quickly three, how am I doing? Oh man, here we go. Um, I gotta say this though, think about this. I just thought of this this morning. Ira Gates, or excuse me, Ira Yates. I'm getting so excited, I'm getting so close to you guys, I'm gonna spit all over you. Ira, Ira Yates, you ever heard that name? Ira Yates was a guy who has a sheep herder in West Texas in 1930. He was so poor, couldn't pay his mortgage. He was making no money as a sheep herder. He didn't know what to do. One day, knocking on his front door, these oil crew guys show up and they say, we think there's oil on your land. Can we drill? And he's like, there's no oil on my land. But here, I'll sign this thing. Go drill. Just to make sure if you find something, I get some of it. They drilled and at 1,169 feet, they hit 80,000 barrels a day of oil in 1930s. It's still, to this day, top 10 in the U.S. oil producing field. 125,000 barrels a day. Ira Yates was a billionaire and didn't even know it. Lived like a pauper. And I heard that story again. I'm like, that's us. Do you understand if you're in Christ, you have all access to the supernatural power of the universe and we live like paupers. I can't resist this sin. I can't give in. I can't forgive. I can't not blow up in anger. I can't get rid of this grudge. Yes, you can. Actually, no, you can't, but he can in you. And he will. And so here's, a, here's three, three uh, sort of applications. I'd say this. The Holy Spirit makes us supers. Okay, play on words from the movie. Okay, I get it. Makes us supers, what? Superpower over sin. That's the first thought. And I just want to remind you, superpower over sin. You have that. Here's what it says. It says, so I say, Paul wrote, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What's he saying? He doesn't just go to church one time and get the Spirit and go home. No, no, he says, walk by the Spirit. It's a step-by-step, daily walk with God. You have that power, what happens? You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh desires will still be there. You'll have victory. How many people have victory? How many people know people that have victory? And again, I'm not saying it's perfect and you never sin and you never struggle. No, you're still going to struggle. But there's a real victory that's appealing to other people. How? You have supernatural power over sin. Quit giving it in and saying that's just who I am. I'm a sinner. No, no, no. That's who you were. Now you're a saint who sometimes sin. A saint accesses the power of God. There's oil coming out into your life. Live like who you are. You understand that? But here's the thing. We give in. I told this story years ago, but I have a dog, Duke, a, a golden retriever. He's 11 years old. It's on his last legs. We love this little guy, and uh, who knows? But when he was a puppy, some of you remember the story, we, we put an electric fence in our house, and it goes around so he'd stay inside the things, and he does because we tested it, and he's not going to go there. But our neighbor, Dean and Nancy, they have an electric fence like three feet on the other side of their yard from ours, and they have a dog named Rusty. At least they used to back when Duke was a little baby puppy dog. So Duke would go out there, and every day this would happen. He'd be in our little yard on our driveway and look off, and here's Rusty. Every day he'd come out, and Rusty wouldn't go in our yard. Duke wouldn't go in our yard because they both know there's this fence. But Rusty would be over there, and he'd be like this. <laughs> and I'd see him. He's like, come on, Duke. Come on, Duke. Come on, Duke. Duke's just sitting there like, no, dude. I, you know, he'd go up there, and he goes, nope, I've done this before. I'm not going there. And so I'd watch this every day, right? Well, this one day, I walk out there. 
And Rusty's doing his little thing, prancing around, and hey, look at my little tail. Come on over, right? And Duke is just looking, and he starts inching up. And I just got in my mind, like, I think I can read Duke's mind. I think Duke is like, you know what? I know I'm going to get zapped, but it's worth it. Yeah, look at that. Look at Rusty over there. He's looking good. So I actually called Ann. I go, Ann, you got to watch this. I think, I think Duke's going for it. She's like, oh, no, he won't. And so we watched him. He's like going up, going up. It's almost like he went, I'm going. And he did. He sort of backed up and he just ran. And you saw him right as he jumped. He sort of stiffened his body like he knows it's coming. And then he's like, Woo! And I thought, oh, my goodness. That little dog made a decision. That pleasure is worth the pain. Right? And he went. And when I watched that, I'm like, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. In a dark moment or in a private moment. Oh, by the way, I got to tell you this. Ann and I, from then on, started naming Rusty, their dog, Satan. <laughs> we did. Hey, Satan's out. There it is. So, so you know, and I thought, that's what we do. We make a decision Sometimes in our private little world, like, nobody's going to know. Satan, our flesh, the world is saying, come on, man, just one time. You and I both know nobody will ever, ever find out. And we may not think it through, but we make a decision. It wasn't that bad. Then we do it again. And here's the thing. If I had an hour, and I, I know I could do this, I could say, anybody who wants to come up here and grab this mic and tell us that the pain you thought was not going to be that bad actually destroyed your life? Come on up. I'm not going to do that. But I know enough of you that this would take an hour. And you would say, don't do it. I thought the pain was a zap. It changed my legacy. One bad decision, all of that's at stake. And here's the thing. So many of us think, yeah, but I, I didn't have the power to resist. Yeah, you do. It's called the Holy Spirit of God who lives right here. And if he doesn't live right here, why not? Today's your day. Invite him in. I surrender all. You have power. And again, I'm not going to say you're going to live a perfect life. I'm not going to say you're not going to struggle. I'm not going to say life is it's just going to be easy and everything going to be good. I'm going to say it's going to be hard. But you have power to live the life God wants you to live. And first thing is power over sin. The second one is this, superpower to serve others. Now, I don't have time to do this, but I'm going to walk you through this verse really fast. Okay, you ready? This is a key understanding in the New Testament. Remember I said, Paul said in Ephesians 1, here's doctrine. Now we're in Ephesians 5, and he says, here's how you live it out. And he gets into this filling of the Holy Spirit. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Stop right there. Here's what he's doing. Why is he bringing up getting drunk on wine? Anybody know? I mean, you got you to think, what's Paul thinking? He says, don't get drunk with wine. It's a waste of time. Now, by the way, every time I've taught on this, people come up to me later and go, oh, so it's okay to get drunk on beer? He didn't say anything about beer. Just wine's what we're supposed to stay away. And I go, no, 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 you're missing the point. The point isn't beer or wine. The point is when a person's drunk on wine or beer, what, what is controlling their decisions? You tell me. Alcohol. Alcohol content. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be opioids. It could be anything you bring into your body. You start to act like a different person than you are when you're not drunk, right? He says, don't do that. It's stupid. That's what debauchery means. It's a waste of time, but do what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what he's really saying? Don't get drunk on wine. It's a waste of your life. Be drunk with the Spirit. That's a better translation. Don't be controlled by alcohol because you're going to do things you're going to regret later. Be controlled by God. You will not 
regret this. Here's the thing. When a person is drunk, they do things they don't normally do. They say things they shouldn't say. They're bolder. Some people have told me, I just have to be a little buzz because I'm a real timid person and it helps me relate to people better. So they have more courage. I'm like, no, that's a bad idea. But here's the thing. When you're drunk with the spirit of God, controlled and empowered by the spirit of God, you do things you could never do in a natural state. What's that mean? You have a confidence you never had before. You have a peace you can't get. You have a power you've never had before. That's all by being drunk, filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, think about this. If a person wants to stay drunk, what do they have to do? I know you don't know this, but think of somebody you know. To stay drunk, you gotta what? Keep drinking. To stay filled with the Spirit isn't a one time, I get the Spirit, I go to church, woo! It's all over. It's almost like Paul said earlier in Galatians, walk in step every second with the Spirit. Keep drinking, keep drinking. What? The Holy Spirit of God. Allow him to fill you. Confess your sin, move on. Confess your sin, move on. God, fill me, fill me. And then here's what he says. Look what he says. Here's the results. He says, if you do this, you will speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Put that back up there. We're just going to break that through. What's that mean? Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. It means our tongue is going to be different. Why? It's controlled now by the Spirit. We're going to speak life to people, not condemnation. We're going to speak forgiveness to people, not unforgiveness. We're actually going to sing, look, it says, make music. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Why do we do this on Sunday morning? Sing. Because it's an overflow of what's going on in our heart. It's like, that's what you do. Oh my gosh, God is so good to me. I just want to say, yes, I surrender all. That's what we do. That's just part of what happens. He goes on to say, from your heart, giving thanks to God the Father and everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That last one just hit me this week. It's like, wow, what, what's this all saying? It's basically saying this. When you are filled with supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of God, you no longer serve yourself, you serve others. You understand what I mean? You go from selflessness to selflessness. Now, let me tell you something, and you know this. I know you know this. That you can't do, and neither can I. Nobody in this room can go from selfish to selfless without the power of God. Can't do it. Because all of us, every second of our life, it's part of our sin nature, it's all about me. The greatest truth I ever learned in our marriage and I didn't learn it for a decade, was this marriage is not about me. It isn't about her making me happy or serving me or doing for me what I think she should do. This marriage, from God's perspective, is me serving and submitting to her. See, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's no longer about you, and you can't do that. Only God can do that. That is a transformation of your heart. It's no longer about you. It is now about him and about others. I serve her. You serve your spouse so that God can be glorified. I love my neighbor who I can't really stand, but I love my neighbor. Why? Because God is glorified. I love my boss, my coworkers, my kids. My... That's all God. And how does that happen? In the middle of that, I give thanks. How do you give thanks when you feel like there's nothing to be thankful for? Spirit of God, who enables you to see even in your darkest valley, there is a God that is with us. We're going to sing that in a second. And things can actually happen because of his power. Now, as I wrap up, here's all I want to do. We're going to take the offering right now. You know why? Because I think the offering is a selfless moment. People don't give money away unless God does something in our heart to say, I want to give back to the one who made me a selfless person, submitting to him and to others. That's a beautiful thing. 
And so as you give right now, it's just, it's just like what we did earlier. We sang songs, we're going to close with a song. We think that's worship. Yeah, it's one form of worship, but this is a powerful form of worship. I'm worshiping God by making a really hard decision to say, all this money that God gave me is not just going to stay here. I'm actually going to give it back to his kingdom to bless others that I'm going to serve. And so as, uh, as you're giving, and most of you can do what I do, just give online. It's very simple to do. I'll just close with this. And it's this idea. In Christ, we're supers. We have superpower over sin, victory over sin. We have superpower to serve others. And finally, it's this simple thought. We have superpower to change. You want to change your life? I'm telling you, you don't have the power to do it long-term. But God offers you the power to do it. I'd say this, you know, there's two ways to live. And I texted Reagan, who's back at our soundboard this morning. I said, do you have these in, in the building? Said, yep. There's two ways to live life. Screwdriver, Phillips, whatever you want to call it, manual labor. I'm going to put this screw in myself or power. You tell me, which one do you want? I mean, there's sometimes this is the one you need. But if you think about life, do I want to live life in my own strength? I had to pull my oven out the other day and put it back in. Trust me, I use this. It was awesome. This was like... Nobody wants that. But here's the thing. Most of us walk out of here, we have this in our hand, but we live like this. You gotta connect to the power of Jesus. The second you do, you go from no power to power. Don't you wanna live like this? Now, if I did this all morning, this battery would run out. The battery of God never, ever runs out. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so it's like, oh my goodness. You get to walk out of here today. Some of you reminded you already had this power. You just haven't been plugging in and being, staying connected. Stay connected. It gives you power. And there's something in your life he wants you to do. You have the power to do it. Some of you never realized you're living your whole life like this. And I'm going to give you a moment right now. This is your moment to believe the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and surrender your life to Christ. And here's what happens. At that second, you are sealed with supernatural power to live a life you can never live without Christ. And then we're going to sing this song, and I don't want you to miss this chorus. It's just a beautiful chorus. I can't run the words right now. Here it is. Yeah. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Unless you come, will you meet me here again? That's the words. It's so perfect for the end of the day. It's like, I am not enough. I don't have enough. Unless you come, will you meet me here again? It's a rhetorical question. Will he? Yes. It isn't like he'll meet you just at church. He meets you everywhere you go, every single time you call. So let's call him right now. Father God, Lord Jesus, I believe there's someone or 100 people right now just realized the truth of the gospel and that they're trying to live a life apart from you with no real power. And they realize this morning the gospel means you love them, you died for them. And if they surrender right here, right now, and believe and give their life to you, you will give them supernatural Holy Spirit, the presence of God, power to live the life you have called us to live that we can't live apart from you. So Jesus, I pray for hundreds of salvations right now. And for those of us who have known this truth for maybe decades and have forgotten God, may we live fresh and new and victorious this week, this day, 
this minute with your power. Supernatural, incredible power of God. It's in Christ. It's available and it's in Christ. We say thanks and we pray. Amen.
I got, uh, I got so excited, I sweat right through my shirt. <laughs> I mean, this truth is so important for us to get. I just, I beg God before the service, God, help us as the church to understand the power that is available in Christ. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if you know that line that you just sang, the Lord, the Lord is in this place. You know where that comes from? It's such a, a beautiful story, and I don't have time to talk, read you through it, but go, go back to your first book of your Bible, Genesis 28. You find Jacob, who was going through a really hard time in his life in a valley, sort of, and he didn't believe God was there, and he's like, God, where are you? Why aren't you meeting me in my need? And then later, he reflected back on it, and he goes, oh, my goodness, he was there the whole time, and he literally says in Genesis 28, 16, the Lord is in this place. He was there the whole time. Now, when you walk out of here, here's what you got to understand. The Lord isn't in this place. He's in this place. You understand what I'm saying? It isn't like there's this special anointing that God is in the sanctuary of a church. He's there, and he's there. And as you walk, we're all lights of God, literally walking with the supernatural power of God in our life. Think about this. This could be a week where you go from death to life, from darkness to light, from no hope to hope, from no joy to joy, from no power to power. That's what's available. And again, I'm not saying everything's going to be just perfect. I mean, we're going to walk through a dark time this week with the Heinz family. But yet, there's going to be a God there who is surely in that place, and he's in the place with you as well. And so let me just say this. If you gave your life to Jesus today, go out to the hub and tell somebody. Come up here. Our prayer team will be here. Maybe you're just really carrying something. You need to pray with somebody. That's why our prayer team is here, to take that to the Father. And then come back next week. Captain Marvel. Cody Wilson. It's going to be a great, great day. You don't want to miss. God bless you. Have a great and powerful week. See you.